0: Soundprints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Soundprints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rusheville. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Soundprints for the week of April 1, 2018. We hope that all of you are having a very happy Easter weekend. First, we have a correction from a past issue of Soundprints. In an article about the new Blindfold Crossword Puzzle Game, we stated that the games were available for iPhones and iPads in the iTunes Store. Thanks to Sandy Rukinich in Utah for helping us catch this mistake. Look for all of the Blindfold games in the App Store, not the iTunes Store. Enter Blindfold Games in the search box to see the entire list. It's quite lengthy. Note that Blindfold is one word. We have a packed magazine this week, so let's get right to it. Meet Claire Stanley, ACB's newest employee in the Alexandria, Virginia office, on page two. Claire will be working on advocacy along with Tony Stevens, and we know you'll enjoy meeting her. Many of you who have had hymns products for many years, such as the Braille Sense, know Dave Wilkinson. He's been with hymns for a long time. Dave recently joined the American Printing House for the Blind as Director of Sales, and he shares news about his new position and new APH initiatives with us on page 3. There are two articles on page 4 that are very timely. Tony Stevens, ACB Director of Advocacy and Public Affairs, posted some good news this week about the fate of H.R. 620, legislation that would greatly diminish the impact of the Americans with Disabilities Act. The article includes Tony's comments, as well as a letter sent to Senator Mitch McConnell by 43 Senate Democrats. We also bring you an article about a court victory by the California Council of the Blind related to voting rights for people who are blind or visually impaired. And on page 5 is the Sound Prince calendar. Page 2. On the phone with me is Claire Stanley. Claire is the newest member of ACB's staff in Alexandria, Virginia, and she is going to be working in the advocacy area and doing, I'm sure, lots and lots and lots of things that um, will be helpful to many blind and visually impaired people around the country. Welcome, Claire.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: Claire, tell us a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself to our listeners, and and then we'll jump into talking about um, some of the things that maybe you'll be doing uh, along with Tony Stevens in the National Office.
1: Of course. Um, so, hi again. My name's Claire. A little bit about myself. Let's see. Um, I'm originally from Southern California, so a California native um i finished law school in 2015. i went to the university of california irvine for law school and once i graduated in 2015 i moved out here to i live in dc proper Um, i love uh, washington dc so i knew as soon as i was done with law school i'd move out here so here i am now one fun fact about myself is that i have an identical twin sister And my guide dog's name is Kodiak. I always like to introduce him. So I have a black lab guide dog named Kodiak.
0: What school is he from? He's from Guide Dogs
1: for the Blind in San Rafael, California.
0: Oh, very good. Good. How long have you had him?
1: I have had Kodiak now for almost seven years, which I can't believe. It went by very quickly.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Black labs are wonderful. They're just
1: they great. <laughs> we now have three of them in the office with me, Tony, and Eric. They're all black labs.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and General is in charge, right? That's right. Of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> That's Eric's dog for the people listening. Tell us uh, a little bit about about yourself other than the law school thing. What, what, um, what are your favorite hobbies? What do you like to do? What did you like to do when you were in high school? You know, those kinds of things.
1: Cool, for sure. Um, so I love music. Um, I've been in many choirs in my life. I currently sing for my church's worship band. Um, so I'm a huge music junkie. I'm always listening to music. Um, the fun, silly factor I always like to tell people is I like to listen to music when I'm studying or doing work or whatever. And I have been caught dancing in my chair many a time. So (laughs) embarrassing fact about myself. (laughs) (laughs) I also am really into arts and crafts. I call myself an arts and crafts junkie, so you can find me at Michael's or Hobby Lobby or places like that, just perusing the aisles. Um, I quilt, I make jewelry, um, I knit, I've tried just about everything. So those are kind of some of my hobbies.
0: How much fun? What kind of jewelry and things do you make? I've tried a little bit of everything,
1: necklaces, earrings, bracelets. I've taken a few classes at different, like, jewelry stores and Michael's and stuff. You can take classes. Mm-hmm. So I've taken, you know, different classes for just about every type. So mm-hmm. wouldn't call myself an expert by any means, but it's just really fun and, you know, something to do.
0: Yeah, it sounds great. I've often wanted to do that and have never managed to find the time. And I keep telling myself I'm going to do that in a few months. And, you know, and then life gets in the way. But um, it, I think it is just, it's a great hobby and, and i think it's something that could be relaxing and
1: yes very relaxing yeah and,
0: and you always have something very nice at the finish when you've mm-hmm. when you've actually completed i love to something. go
1: um i love to go to bead stores when i first started getting really into it um right around the time i was graduating from college i went to this local bead store um in my college town and i loved it because i could literally go from case to case to case feeling every bead and i used to think oh they must think i look crazy but i don't care and i just love it cuz it's so tactile so you could just feel row after row of beads
0: and and i think what's neat about that too is you don't have to buy them in great quantities um and a lot of the beads you can buy just what you need exactly yep yeah mm-hmm. so that that would be really neat to be able to select right down to the individual bead what you want for the item that mm-hmm. you're making
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah.
0: so now you're at a c b well you you got out of law school in twenty fifteen mm-hmm. and so yeah. in the in the last three years have you have you been in d c all of that time since i
1: have yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um So my first year, I, from right out of 2015, um, I started a legal fellowship. It was a public interest fellowship funded by my law school. And the whole idea was to promote people going into public interest law where it's so needed, you know, everybody needs it, but the funding just isn't there, of course. Um, because it's public interest so they funded your fellowship for a year so I worked at um, the Protection and Advocacy Office for the District of Columbia Mm -hmm. um, so Disability Rights DC um, which was great I did that for a year but of course because it was a fellowship and funding is limited that lasted for a year and then I went on um, when that ended and I worked at um uh, the Mid Atlantic ADA Center, which is the regional office of the ADA National Network. So I trained people on what the ADA was all about, um, and then now I'm here. So.
0: Okay, so you've had a pretty good introduction into the types of things that you're going to be doing uh, at yeah. the at, for ACB. So well, let's look a, look ahead a little bit and tell us uh, how. The new position because this is a new position, and mm, yeah. yeah, in the Alexandria office. Years ago, we we had a couple of uh, positions that were advocacy related, and then we just couldn't afford to continue them. And now, very, very fortunate for ACB, we're able to to once again have this position, and hopefully, this will continue for a long, long time. So, tell us about some of the things that we could see coming out of the Alexandria office with, with you and sitting in that seat?
1: For sure. Um, so I'm the advocacy and outreach specialist um, working under Tony, which is awesome. Absolutely. She's so great to work with, yeah. He is I amazing. I I'm going to learn tons. <laughs> so one of my big parts of my job is responding to any issues that come up where people, you know, either need to know about resources or they face some kind of discrimination or someone said, you know, oh, we're not going to provide that accommodation or, oh, we don't know how to accommodate you or Could be all kinds of things. So I get to um, kind of speak on behalf of those people and say, hey, you know, if you look under the ADA or if you look under the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act or insert, you know, whatever other law it might be, Mm -hmm. you know, he or she has this right and kind of help walk through what the law says and as a result, what rights those people have. So to make sure that people receive, um, you know, their rights aren't aren't denied and that kind of thing, um, which I absolutely love because that's why I went to law school in the first place was, you know, I wanted to make sure that um, people with disabilities' rights weren't abused and they could have access to um, everything that everybody else has access to. Yeah, so it's a big part of my job. I also get to uh, sit in on several of the... um, Uh, different committees that we have in the D.C. area that bring together a bunch of different um, coalitions of advocacy groups for every disability imaginable. Um, And so there are a lot of different projects uh, that are topic-specific that we work on. Um, So there's an employment group. There's an education group. And so it's a group of, um, again, uh, organizations that come together to kind of be a louder voice, and so I get to sit on those and help with those different projects which I'm super excited about. Um, I was reading through some of the past statements they've put out, and they've done some really great work, so I'm looking forward to that as well.
0: That is is such a good thing, because I'm sure, with there only being one of Tony for the past couple of years, that he hasn't always been able to go to all of those things, Mm -hmm. because he also does all of this great work on Capitol Hill. I think he's probably just... Elated that he now has some assistance to um, participate in a lot of these things. Do you get to do some of the Capitol Hill stuff with him as well, or do you think you will? I do.
1: Yeah, I think I will. He's been mm-hmm. pretty, um, pretty open that I can kind of be his shadow and really see what he's doing, which I'm over the moon about and very excited. So I think I'll be able to to attend a lot of things with him, and I'm sure learn mm-hmm. so much mm-hmm. from him. So
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, that just sounds really good. We're really looking forward to, um, to your being there. And, uh, I'm sure you'll be coming to the National Convention this summer. Yeah. I and we
1: will be there
0: in St. Louis. Oh, yeah. And getting to meet you again, because you were at mid-year for just a, a tiny bit of time. But, um, but. The, you know, to get to come to the National Convention and, and um, help out with some of the sessions that are there. I mean, that's going to be a wonderful opportunity as well.
1: Yes, definitely. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Well, Claire, welcome to ACB. We're so glad that you're with us, and we look forward to hearing great things from you in the future.
1: Thanks. I look forward to meeting everybody, and yeah, it'll be great to meet people at convention.
0: Page 3. I'm speaking with Dave Wilkinson, who has made a change. He's migrated from hymns where we're used to finding him in years past and where he's been an interview on uh, a guest on Soundprints uh, to now uh, he's with the American Printing House for the Blind, and we've caught up with him today to talk about his new position at APH and all the good things that are going to be coming up in the future, and since APH is one of the sponsors of SoundPrints, this is a mighty fine thing. Welcome, Dave. It's
2: great to be here. It's uh, in in my new migrated role. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me just put out there for anyone, you know, whenever you change jobs, people always want to know what the backstory and stuff is. And mm-hmm. I, I love him dearly, and him and I still have a fabulous relationship. It was just time for me to do something else that was going to keep me a little close to home. Uh, well, you were doing so an awful fun, lot of travel. You, you I was were, doing tons of travel. Yeah,
0: I think you were traveling more than you were home,
2: probably. Oh, way more. Yeah. Way more. Yeah. So it, it was just, it was time to do something else. But, um, you know, whenever you leave a, a job, the tendency in this industry sometimes is for people to think, oh, what's the, there must be a good a good story behind yeah. it. What's the no, scoop? No, in this case, there's really not. It's very boring. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, tell us about your new position at APH. And um, they, it, it, I think it sounds really exciting. We were chatting a little bit. And this just sounds like a wonderful um, move for APH. So tell us about it.
2: Well, I sure hope it's a wonderful move for them. I am the first ever director of sales For APH. APH has never had a sales and marketing department before, and uh, now we do. And so it's being built sort of as we speak over the next uh, probably several months and a couple of years. And part of the idea behind it is that we've never really actively pursued non-quota sales. If if money came our way, we were grateful for it. We said, thank you very much. And we sent you stuff and we went about our merry way. Mm -hmm. And we'd like to be a bit more proactive and actually pursue customers make sure that you're aware of a lot of the, the product offerings that we have then make stuff that you want to buy and expand what it is that we sell and what we do
0: explain to a lot of our listeners what quota sales are they may not really realize what quota means that's a, that's a very good point
2: quota quota dollars are when, when APH was created it was schools around the country were allotted certain amounts of money per blind or visually impaired student, and that mm-hmm. money was used to purchase equipment at, at that originally textbooks and it's expanded a bit beyond that to assistive technology and other materials that were needed in classrooms for blind for the blind or visually impaired students. And so you have, if, if you're a school district and you have a blind or visually impaired student, you have X amount of money that you are allotted to spend on that student, and that money is spent at APH. Right. So you know, and that's you know, a lot of your textbooks come from there, or you know, graphing calculators, or whatever you need in a classroom uh, for your student.
0: Braille writers.
2: Braille uh, writers. Yeah. Lights, uh, yes. You know.
0: Low vision things.
2: Low vision, right? Mm-hmm. You know, handheld magnifiers, mm-hmm. or you know, whether light mm-hmm. boxes, you name it. Mm-hmm.
0: And it can even be supplies like the bold line paper and um, things can. like that. So
2: it absolutely can. Uh, it's
0: a it's a great program, and the neat thing, one of the, the little asides there, is APH has been able to get an increase in those funds in the last year or two, and um, that was one of the uh, ACB imperatives, legislative imperatives that we um, wanted to emphasize, and and we just learned that APH is getting a two million dollar increase in the new budget
2: yes we are and, yeah. and we're really appreciative of yes. organizations like ACB working with us to, to help to help that happen.
0: Right. So that's what quota is. It's basically a program for students in um, elementary school and high school um right. preschool. Yeah. Preschool. Right. right. Preschool yeah. through 12. Yeah, free yes. K through 12. Yes, and and so now your position is is going to be emphasizing other sales, and it's not that APH hasn't sold things to people yeah. in the past, um, because their booth at the conventions and so on have been are, are always popular, um, and so people are probably saying, well, what do you mean they've APH has always sold things to us, but it's not well, we been a have. priority. There's a it difference.
2: is not, and I, yeah. and I do need to double back and make a correction. My wife is telling me from the other room that quota is actually available starting from 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 birth, 0 yeah. to 3, so early is intervention true. is also part of that. So that, I do want to yeah. set the record straight yeah. to make sure that I'm giving accurate information. But anyway, so, so there we go, mistake corrected.
0: Right. <laughs> um, All right, so tell us about this new initiative.
2: What we're wanting to do is substantially expand our sales, to blind consumers. At the moment we do a really good job of serving students from zero through the end of high school. Absolutely, And at that point we sort of leave you unless you happen to stumble across the product that you want and then we'll sell it to you. What I'm really hoping to do is make you actively more aware of product offerings that we have and have you think of APH as a source for not only materials uh, supplies or products but also information uh, on blindness and low vision. What, we're, what I'm hoping that you'll find is in the future is that APH is your first stop that you make along the way when you're considering doing virtually anything that has to do with blindness or low vision. So the first part of that is to make you aware of product offerings that we have uh, that go beyond just birth through, through the end of high school. You know, and so what we're going to be doing for the summer shows, uh, which you know we've always brought this stuff to the summer shows, but it, mm-hmm. it, it's been kind of random, and we've just sort of grabbed things, and you know they were they were there.
1: Mm-hmm. And what
2: I'm hoping to do this year is we're looking back over what sold and what hasn't sold in the past few years. Uh, we're looking at putting lists together ahead of time so that you'll know what it is that we're bringing, how much it's going to be, and then you'll come up to the booth and you'll say, I want X, Y, and Z, and I'll say, hey, that's a nice credit card you've got there, and we'll run (laughs) your card, and off you'll go, and you'll be happy with me, and I'll be happy with you, and then next year you'll come back and you'll do it again.
0: This will not only be, obviously there'll be a lot of technology kinds of things there, um, but there, there can be a wide range of things that might be of interest to adults. Sometimes oh, we that we might not done.
2: even know about. My prime example, and I get hung up on things. Anybody that knows me will tell you that I get obsessed with things. And one of the things that I've been obsessed with since I came to to APH is the accessible padlock or combination lock that has the little buttons on it that you 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 push the right buttons and the lock pops open and then you can open whatever it is that you had locked. Totally low tech. Totally not promoted enough. Cheap. Uh, I always think of my high school locker when I had to get it. You know, when you all the rest of the kids had combination locks, and I had this goofy padlock, and I had to turn a key <laughs> into the office in case they ever needed it. Whatever. Well, now I can have a combination lock just like my sighted compatriots. Mm-hmm. Totally low tech, no batteries required.
1: <laughs>
0: yep.
2: that you know. <laughs> it's my total product obsession thing. That's what I'm hung up on.
0: Well, I'll tell you another one. The Kentucky Council of the Blind. Um, we have a new chapter called the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision. And the second and fourth Thursday of each month, we have a low vision support group um, across the street from you at United Crescent Hill Ministries. And so one day, back last August, um, we had a person from APH come. We called up and said, hey, would you bring some items, low vision kinds of items, over to this support group? Um, And and that is a little departure from what, KCB had done in the past because we've always thought of, you know, the the Braille products and um, Braille paper and and, um, technology and things, but we hadn't really in the past done a lot with low vision. So um, I think it was Monica came over, I think that was her name, she came over and she brought some of these neat low vision items and one of those was a very cool little, just a strip a, a yeah. plastic strip. Um one one set was pink and one set was yellow and she said these don't magnify you just put these down on the um on a line of print and it helps to highlight what you're reading. Dave, that those came in a two pack for 10 bucks. And you know, here's this little low-tech cheap item, not cheap cheap in quality but You know, inexpensive item, very portable. And so we got a couple of them, a pink set and a yellow set, and we take them to those low vision meetings because, you know, just being able to highlight where that person is reading can be a major thing for people with certain vision issues. And yet, who knows how long that product had been there. there. There's no telling. Right, and we didn't know about it. Um, and
2: we're we've been really bad about emphasizing uh, all of the assistive technology stuff, all of the electronic stuff, to the detriment of some of the low tech things. Mm-hmm. And I think to some of the books that we have available, we have a book available for things like echolocation. Um, we have a book oh. on parenting as a visually impaired, as a blind or visually impaired person. Oh, um, I you didn't know, know that. So we, yeah. See, the, and there we go. And that's because <laughs> we haven't promoted it enough.
0: ACB families affiliate would love to hear about those kinds of things. Absolutely. And, yeah. And,
2: yeah. And this is the type of thing that we just haven't, you know. And it's just it, it hasn't been intentional. It hasn't been like you know some evil dude thought oh, no. up there and thought it must no. have batteries to be promoted. It's just the way that it sort of went.
0: <laughs> well, and it's it's also just the the as you said in the beginning, the the quota the the emphasis on quota has that's been the major driving force and and that hasn't been a bad thing that's a good thing because it yeah. serves what something like 53,000 kids around the country or more that's right depending that's right. on the they they for the listeners they do a, a sort of like a census every January those um that information is um, collected in the states and turned into APH, so they know where all these kids are that need help with the quota funds. But um, then there's this huge adult population out here, and especially with people who are um, the vast majority of blind people and visually impaired people who are um, over 50, 60 years old, you know, they don't even know about these products, period. That's right. So it's a huge field and a huge opportunity. So you will be coming to the conventions this summer.
2: I will, and now is a really good chance to toss out there that we are doing a session, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Saturday, uh, June the 30th, where we'll have. Uh, and now we're doubling back to some of the the more techie stuff. We'll have the Orbit Reader 20, the graffiti. Uh, we'll probably have our our. TI-84 Orion uh, graphing calculator. We'll also make it a point to bring some low-tech stuff. And what, it, what, I, what I want it to be is sort of a hands-on. The booth can be a nutty time where you really don't have an opportunity to play as much and you know, just have as much space. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to give you an opportunity to pick stuff up. We'll take things like the orbit through its paces. We also have a couple of surprises that we'll have there uh, that we'll get to that hopefully that will be available by this summer mark your calendars 11 a.m to 1 p.m you can spend a couple of hours with Dave
0: and you know what a great thing is there too is ACB is going to be offering continuing education credits for many of the sessions at the convention and the APH session will hopefully be one of those we're planning on putting that into our um, new catalog of CEC offerings for the convention.
2: That's fantastic.
0: Yeah, and one other
2: thing, just because we're on the self-promotion roll. Yes. Uh,
0: <laughs> we're doing a great job here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we'll also be at the, at, at Bits. Uh, uh-huh. And I think it's going to be 1:15, and I'm not sure who's going to be doing that. It'll either be me or Keith Creasy. We'll be doing a presentation on Nearby Explorer and the Indoor Explorer component of it, and things that we're doing for mapping uh, buildings on the inside and oh. how other people can join in that project. So after you finish two hours with day, go run and grab a snack, and then get ready to go to Bits and learn a lot about Nearby Explorer and, in- and Indoor Explorer. And then after you've seen all of that, run down to the booth with your credit card and buy stuff. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> or if if you if you're just totally exhausted at that point and you need to go take a nap before general session that evening, um, does anybody ever do that, Dave?
2: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> they absolutely do. You can, yes. you can get a bookport plus before you take a nap to listen to the music to music to put you to sleep.
0: That's right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that exhibit hall at the convention will be open not only on that Saturday, June 30, but it will be open through uh, 1 p.m. on. Wednesday, July 4th. So you'll have Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday to um, visit all those wonderful booths and make sure that credit card is ready and get it warmed up and ready to go.
2: I'm sorry, remember the more you spend, the more points you get.
0: (laughs) Isn't that the truth? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we really uh, appreciate you doing uh, sound with us today. We congratulate you on your move to APH, and we are really looking forward to seeing you in St. Louis and checking out all of the great things that APH is going to have there for us to see.
2: Well, thank you. And if anyone wants to get in touch with me directly, you're welcome to email me at Dave Wilkinson, D-A-V-E-W-I-L-K-I-N-S-O-N, at APH.org. I'd like to hear from you. Thoughts on APH, what we do well, what we need to improve upon, uh, you know, just whatever. So, I would love to hear from you.
0: Page four, articles from the internet. Here are some of the interesting articles that appeared this week on ACB lists and elsewhere. First, this item was posted by Tony Stevens, Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind on March 29. Tony says, Greetings, I wanted to update you all on the current efforts in the Senate to block the ADA Education and Reform Act, H.R. 620, which passed the House last month. Senator Duckworth, Democrat of Illinois, has been leading a sign-on campaign amongst her peers to stand up against any efforts to move H.R. 620 through the Senate. Senator Duckworth, who lost her legs after a helicopter crash in Iraq, has been a strong champion for the ADA. Together, the below letter has received 43 signatures, which means the Senate will not have the required 60 votes necessary to bring H.R. 620 up for a vote. Thanks to those of you who have been reaching out to your Senate offices since our legislative fly-in a month ago. We encourage you to send along letters of thanks if your Senator was one of the individuals who signed on to this letter. We recommend that you contact those who did not sign on, encouraging them to stand up as well against any action that would threaten the ADA. Warmest Regards, Tony Here is a copy of the letter to Mitch McConnell. The Honorable Mitch McConnell, Majority Leader, United States Senate, S-230, the Capitol, Washington, D.C. 20510 Dear Majority Leader McConnell, We are writing to express our strong opposition to H.R. 620 the ADA Education and Reform Act, and any legislation that would repeal or weaken rights under Title III of the Americans with Disabilities Act, ADA, which prohibits discrimination on the basis of a disability in certain places of public accommodation. 1. As a civil rights law, Title III of the ADA was modeled after Title II of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 which prohibits discrimination on the basis of race, religion, and national origin in certain places of public accommodation. 2. Title Three of the ADA does not permit monetary relief in the form of damages or settlements. Similar to Title II of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, the ADA only permits non-monetary injunctive relief and Recoupment of reasonable attorney's fees for individuals who prevail in a suit to enforce their rights under Title III and secure removal of architectural barriers in public accommodations where readily achieved. Congress carefully crafted Title III of the ADA to make sure private enforcement actions prioritize achieving readily accessible barrier removal and are an affordable avenue for Americans with disabilities to seek relief. The expectation was that businesses would make themselves accessible before people with disabilities showed up at their place of business, rather than waiting until receiving a notice that people with disabilities have been excluded before starting to think about complying with the law. The ADA is a groundbreaking civil rights law that recognizes the reality that removing an architectural barrier when readily achievable is a proven, efficient solution to improving accessibility in public places and providing equal treatment for people with disabilities across the United States. In recognizing the importance of accessibility, Congress also established tax incentives for businesses to lower the cost of making a place of public accommodation more accessible pursuant to ADA guidelines and requirements for architectural barrier removal. 3. Proponents of H.R. 620 assert that eliminating the right of Americans to seek immediate injunctive relief under Title III of the ADA is necessary to address private lawsuits that threaten businesses with punitive damages and demand monetary settlements. However, these private actions seeking damages are filed pursuant to specific state laws that, unlike Title III of the ADA, authorize monetary damages. H.R. 620 would make no change to those state laws and therefore fails to address lawsuits seeking damages. However, it would destroy any incentive under the ADA for timely removal of architectural barriers in public accommodations. Because Title III of the ADA does not provide for damages, a business would have no reason to comply with the law unless and until it received written notice from a person with a disability who had been harmed, informing the business that it had violated the law, and the business would then have four months to remove the barrier or make substantial progress in doing so. There would be no consequence for breaking the law until the notice was received and the waiting period expired. When supporters of the discriminatory H.R. 620 argue for its necessity by citing examples of alleged minor accessibility infractions. They miss the point that this bill undermines the rights of people with disabilities rather than protects them. There is nothing minor about a combat veteran with a disability having to suffer the indignity of being unable to independently access a restaurant in the country they were willing to defend abroad. There is nothing minor about a child with cerebral palsy being forced to suffer the humiliation of being unable to access a movie theater alongside her friends. Simply put, we reject in the strongest terms the offensive suggestion by supporters of H.R. 620 that a civil rights violation denying access to a public space could ever be minor. A ramp a few degrees too steep or a shower head a few inches too high from a legally prescribed standard are the difference between accessibility and discrimination. To efficiently address the aforementioned examples, we would urge operators of public facilities to simply fix the problem by lowering the ramp a few degrees or lowering the shower head a couple of inches. This will not only make sure entities comply with the law, but more importantly, providing accessibility will protect the health, safety, and dignity of Americans with disabilities, as promised under a civil rights law passed nearly 28 years ago. We share many of the concerns on the potential impact of H.R. 620 expressed by the U.S. Department of Justice, DOJ, Civil Rights Division, which administers and enforces the ADA, We believe DOJ is right to be troubled by the premise that H.R. 620 would substantially change the balance Congress struck for private enforcement actions pursuant to Title III of the ADA. We also share DOJ's concern that, quote, the proposed notice and cure process would also unnecessarily limit individuals' abilities to obtain much-needed barrier removal in a timely manner by imposing additional requirements that may not result in the collaborative process that the proposed bill intends, but may instead result in additional areas of litigation." Number 4. Congress should promote ADA compliance nationwide, by improving existing tools and resources, rather than advancing a harmful and duplicative proposal, such as H.R. 620, which would upend a carefully crafted legal framework that has boasted strong bipartisan support for the nearly three decades. It would be more productive to enhance funding, and existing ADA education and mediation programs rather than requiring lengthy notice periods that remove any incentive to follow the law until violations are detected and civil rights are denied. We are ready to work with any Senator who is interested in developing pragmatic and bipartisan solutions that improve business compliance with the ADA. For example, We support strengthening the capabilities of the DOJ Civil Rights Division's ADA Technical Assistance Unit, which provides education and technical assistance to help businesses comply with the law. We should also expand the ADA National Network, which operates 10 regional ADA centers and an ADA Knowledge Translation Center. These resources funded through the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institute on Disability, Independent Living, and Rehabilitation Research, provide free assistance to entities seeking to comply with the ADA. However, we will strongly object to any time agreement or unanimous consent request with respect to consideration of H.R. 620 or any similar legislation that seeks to weaken federal protections for an entire protected class of Americans. By preserving Title III of the ADA, Congress will uphold the intent and principle of the underlying statute that disability rights are civil rights. No American should be forced to endure discrimination for any length of time so that places of public accommodation may learn how to follow a seminal bipartisan civil rights law that was enacted in 1990. Respectfully, we urge you to join us in supporting the rights of Americans with disabilities by making clear that H.R. 620 or similar legislation will never reach a vote in the United States Senate during the 117th congress sincerely settlement of groundbreaking lawsuit paves way for blind voters to access absentee voting this was a press release from com san francisco march 20 2018 The California Council of the Blind an Association of Blind and Visually Impaired Californians and two individual plaintiffs announced the final settlement of their federal lawsuit against the County of San Mateo and the State of California challenging the unlawful and discriminatory exclusion of blind and low-vision voters from the County of San Mateo's absentee voting program. A copy of the settlement agreement is available online. As a result of the groundbreaking legal action culminating in this final settlement, blind and low-vision voters in San Mateo County were able to cast their absentee ballots independently in time for the November 2017 election. The California Council of the Blind is very pleased to bring the lawsuit to such a successful conclusion, said Judy Wilkinson. President of the California Council of the Blind, this settlement marks a major milestone in our efforts to provide blind and low-vision voters with equal access to absentee voting in California. End of quote. Another quote. San Mateo's implementation of the accessible absentee voting tools has been fast, inexpensive, and smooth, added Plaintiff's Lead Counsel Lisa Elds of Rawson Bean Galvin, and Grunfeld. We look forward to the other counties following suit so that all California voters with vision impairments can take advantage of the convenience of absentee voting without sacrificing their right to vote privately and independently. End of quote. In September of 2016, the parties had stipulated to, and the court ordered, a framework for certifying and implementing an accessible absentee voting system in San Mateo County. AB 2252, which for the first time established processes and procedures for the review and certification of a remote accessible vote by mail system, RAVBM system, for voters with disabilities, had been signed into law on July 22, 2016, paving the way for the court's order. RAVBM systems allow blind voters and voters with other print disabilities to vote absentee independently. Voters can download their ballots onto a computer equipped with their preferred assistive technology, fill out the ballots, and print and mail their completed voting records to elections officials just as other voters would return traditional absentee ballots. Many other states and jurisdictions across the country already offer blind and low-vision voters a method to vote absentee privately and independently. On October 12, 2017, the California Secretary of State certified two accessible absentee voting systems, the five-seaters alternate format ballot and the Democracy Live Secure Select System for use in California paving the way for San Mateo County to announce on October 25, 2017 that it had implemented the Democracy Live Secure Select System for disabled and low-vision voters to use in time for the November 2017 election and all future elections. In doing so, San Mateo became the first county in California to deploy such a system. The final settlement which is in effect until December 31, 2020, requires the county to take a variety of steps to ensure that its absentee voting program is fully accessible to blind and low vision voters, including offering voters with disabilities an opportunity to vote using an accessible absentee voting system in all elections, Equipping vote centers with computers with screen access software so that blind and low-vision voters who do not otherwise have access to the needed technology can vote using the accessible absentee voting system. Training relevant county staff on operation of the county's accessible absentee voting system and to answer voters' questions about the system. Developing protocols for notifying the public about accessible absentee voting system outages and a plan to promptly remedy such outages. Adopting a comprehensive plan to publicize the county's accessible absentee voting system to the disability community offering resources to help educate the public about how to vote using the county's accessible absentee voting system and a phone line that the public can call for assistance troubleshooting any technical difficulties that they encounter with the system collecting data regarding use of the county's accessible absentee voting system and periodically reporting this data to plaintiffs and offering relevant forms in a format so that blind and visually impaired voters with screen access software can complete them independently. San Mateo further agreed to pay plaintiffs $810,325 in legal fees as part of the settlement. The State of California has also agreed to continue to include members of the disability community in the testing of new accessible absentee voting systems and new versions of existing systems to ensure that any new technology is readily accessible to people with disabilities and to pay plaintiffs $354,175 in legal fees. Media contacts are Lisa Elds, ELLS, Rosen, Bean, Galvin, and Grunfeld, LLP, four one five four three three six eight three zero Email L E L -l S at RBG dot com Robert Rubin Law Offices of Robert Rubin four one five six two four eight four five four Robert Rubin R O B E R T R U B I N S F at Gmail dot com Judy Wilkinson, President, California Council of the Blind, 510-388-5079. Page 5. The Sound Prince Calendar. Events coming up for April include, On April 3, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have a conference call meeting at 8 p.m. at 605-475-6006, Enter code 294444. On April four, the Bluegrass Council will have a nutrition, education, and cooking class. 1.30 to 2.30 p.m., collaborative effort between BCB and the U.K. Cooperative Extension Office to offer seven hands-on nutrition education classes and cooking classes to anyone who would like to attend on the first and third Wednesdays of the month. Classes will alternate locations between the BCB office and the UK Extension office. For more information call 859-259-1834. On April 5, the American Council of Blind Lions will have its monthly conference call. The meeting is for Lions from all over the country. It's an excellent opportunity to share ideas about how to become involved in your local clubs. 9 p.m. Eastern Time, call 712-432-3900 and enter code 796 April 6 and 7, Crossroads, Let Your Journey Begin, a special conference sponsored by the Kentucky Council of the Blind, great for individual, professional, and organizational development, $35 for one day, $50 for both days. Call the Kentucky Council of the Blind at 502-895-4598 for more information. April 8, KCB Next Generation Meeting. By conference call at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. This is the regular monthly meeting for visually impaired people 40 and under. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. April 10 is the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired Savvy Monthly Meeting, 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time. The speaker is Gay Panel, Independent Living Administrator, Kentucky Office for the Blind. They will also discuss the June 9 garage sale. Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. Contact Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418 for more information. On April 11, KCB will hold its PR Membership Committee meeting at 8 p.m. by phone 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. On April 12, Savvy will have a workshop entitled iPhone Accessibility from 10 a.m. to noon Central Time. They will explore iPhone accessibility features for the visually impaired. At the Wing Avenue Baptist Church in Owensboro, call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418 for more information. April 12 is another Bluegrass Council class from 1 to 2 p.m. Sam will share information about several must-have items and devices which can help just about any visually impaired individual. At the BCB office, 1093 South Broadway in Lexington. Call 859-259-1834 for more information. And on April 12th, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will hold a support group meeting in Louisville from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries. Call the KCB at 502-895-4598 for more information. And finally, on April 12th, the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will have its regular conference call at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Call 605-475-4700 and enter code 155619. For more information about the Northern Kentucky Council, call 859-781-7369. On April 13th, GLCB will have its next roundabout, Education and Technology from 3.30 to 5.00, Discussion Time and Tip Sheet from 5.00 to 6.00, Dinner 6.00 to 7.00, and Bingo, $2.00 per person, Games and Crafts from 7.00 to 10.00 at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Call 502-895-4598 to sign up. On April 14 is the monthly board meeting of the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind at 11 a.m. by conference call. The phone number is 605-475-6006 and the code is 294444. April 15 is the regular monthly meeting of the KSB Alumni Association Board. It's at 8 p.m. Eastern Time at 605-475-6006, code 294444. April 16 is the monthly meeting of the Kentucky Council of the Blind Board of Directors at 7.30 p.m. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. April 18, Bluegrass Council Nutrition Education and Cooking Class, 1.30 to 2.30 p.m. Collaborative effort between the Bluegrass Council and UK Cooperative Extension to offer seven hands-on, Nutrition, education, and cooking classes. Classes to be held the first and third Wednesdays of the month. Classes will alternate locations between the Bluegrass Council office and the U.K. Extension office. For more information, call 859-259-1834. On April 20, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold a roundabout from 3.30 to 10 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. April 23 is the Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana Membership Call. 7 p.m. by phone. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. April 25, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will have its next peer support group meeting. 12 noon to 2 p.m. at the BCB Office, 1093 South Broadway in Lexington. RSVP by calling 859 859- 259-1834 April 26 is a savvy workshop nutrition and exercise 10 a.m. to noon central time join savvy as they share exercise and nutrition tips at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro for more information call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418 or Bill Roberts at 270 270- 485-8170. On April 26th, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have a peer support group meeting from one thirty to 3.30 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. For more information, call 502-895-4598. On April 27th is the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Spring Quarterly Meeting. This is the annual meeting where officers are elected, and there will be much information shared about the upcoming American Council of the Blind Convention in St. Louis in July. For more information, call 502-895-4598. On April 28, the American Printing House for the Blind Museum will present a program called The Competitive World of Blind Sports from 1 to 3 p.m. From casual recreation to the Olympics and the Paralympics, people who are blind or visually impaired participate in every possible sport, from team sports like baseball and goalball to archery, cycling, golf, judo, swimming, and skiing. Meet athletes who have excelled at their sport, sometimes with special adaptive equipment, but always through their own innate abilities and drive. At the APH Museum, 1839 Frankfurt Avenue. Free, but best for adults and children, 8 and up. For more information and to pre-register, call 502-899-2213. Looking ahead to May is the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Derby Party on, of course, Derby Day, Saturday, May 5. Doors open at 10 a.m. and the party lasts until 8 p.m. At United Crescent Hill Ministries, it's $5 per person, and it will include lots of fun and games and activity for the entire day. Everyone is invited. For more information, call 502-895-4598. And in June comes the 57th Annual Conference and Convention of the American Council of the Blind, June 29 to July 6 in St. Louis, Missouri. The week begins with a trip to the St. Louis Cardinals baseball game and ends with a historic visit to Hannibal, Missouri to learn all about Mark Twain at the Union Station Hotel in St. Louis. Pre-registration opens on May 15. More details about exhibits, workshops, tours, programs, and many fun activities in coming months or by visiting www.acb.org. And you can keep up with all of the convention information by subscribing to the ACB Convention List. Send a blank email to acbconvention-subscribe at acblists.org. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598